Well, let's open up our Bibles today to Luke chapter 21. As we continue our journey studying the Bible together, you know, and just real quick, every once in a while, I'd just like to remind you or maybe even to mention to someone that's here for the first time that one of the things that we do here at Calvary Chapel is we just teach the Bible. You come into the service and, you know, we usually spend some time in worship and then it's our responsibility to simply teach you the Bible from beginning to end. And so that's what we want to give here. You know, just like your body needs milk. Remember when you were babies and you needed milk and then eventually you needed meat? Um, That's kind of the way it is. This is the word of God. It's food. It's food for your soul. And as you're drinking the milk and then eating the meat, you're going to grow. And that's our prayer. You know, one of the things I always like to tell people is this, that you need a doctor, you know, to keep you healthy physically. I hope you guys have a good doctor. Do you have a good doctor? Some of you are like, I don't have a doctor. Okay, I'm sorry about that. But if you do have a doctor, I hope it's a good doctor, and I hope he takes his job seriously and his responsibility to do the best that he can to provide that physical health. We as a church, we're kind of like a hospital, and we want to do everything we can that you would be spiritually healthy because in all reality, in the end, that's the one that matters the most, by far, infinitely more. And so I pray that you would continue to come to church, continue to seek the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, that you would be taught the word and that you would even go home and read your Bibles. Turn off the television set. A lot of you here are just, you know, not to be weird or anything, but I think that so many of us as Americans are watching way too much television. And not only is it a waste of time, Most of the things that you see on television nowadays are anti-Christ, you know, against the family, so many things. And so my encouragement to you is to, to really invest the time wisely. Life is quick. Life is short. You're here, you die, and then it's heaven or hell. And so my prayer is that we would go to heaven after we die and that while we live, we would live a life that's worthwhile. You young people, the older people, you in-betweeners, doesn't matter. You know, this is our life for Jesus Christ. Let's do that. Today we have a lesson, I think, that really uh, just clarifies things on what we should be engaged in doing. Look what it says here in verse 12. Jesus is speaking, and he says, But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. You might want to circle that. It's a real important part of it. It's for his name's sake, Jesus' name. But it will turn out, he says, for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I, Jesus says, I will give you a mouth and wisdom with which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed, even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. There it is again. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. And so by your patience, possess your souls. 
You know, we've come now to this place in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, teachers call it the, the Olivet Discourse, in which Jesus is speaking about things in the future. Uh, last week we went over what are called general signs. How in all reality, um, you know, the world is going to end. We believe it will probably end very soon, at least this world. Um, And what we find is Jesus gave us signs, things like earthquakes, pestilences, famines, uh, so many things that are kind of giving us those signals that his second return is about to come to pass. But he says here in verse 12, but before all these things, they had asked a question regarding the destruction of the temple. And so before we get into that, which I would call the desolation of Jerusalem, what I want to share with you today is the declaration of Jesus. And when I say that, I don't mean necessarily what Jesus says, although we will study that. But what I'm wanting to encourage you in today is to declare his name, to declare the name of Jesus, you know, to make sure that, you know, for those of you here who are Christians, um, to know that that's your responsibility. We want to know him. And we want to make him known. I really like that summary statement because I found, you know, the Lord was really ministering to me recently. And he was saying, you know, uh, success is measured uh, in this world by some standards that are definitely not scriptural. You know, for some, you know, success is making a lot of money or for some success is having like a, a happy life or maybe getting a house or a dog. I don't know. You know how you would measure success, you know. Um, We might even measure success by how many people, you know, I converted or just we have weird things like that, how big my ministry is. But if I can just say this to you, I really think that when I die one day, in order to really have a life that I would consider like a a success, I just want to know the Lord more than anything else in my life. I want to know God, the God who loves me, the God who made me. I will, I will be passionate. I will be aggressive. I will be vigorous in my pursuit of knowing the Lord. That's what I want. Because I know that if I know him, then everything else falls into place. I want to know the Lord. And, of course, you know, I think from there I want to make him known. You know, and I just want to give you a a caution and a warning because life gets so busy. And I know you've heard me say this a million times, but we're living in a country that they're just distracting you with a million things. With that phone, that phone that you have. I mean, you know, a lot of times we're there way too much. We're texting and we're emailing and we are addicted to it. But we don't want to say that. But a lot of people are. What I want to encourage you in is to understand that the agenda of the enemy is, you know what, maybe I will make him bad, but I'll make him busy. Maybe I won't deceive him, but I'll distract him. And you can spend time on the computer and you can go, you know, and, and, you know, you can watch a ball game for two and a half hours and then you watch a movie for another two and a half hours. And then, you know, you're reading, you know, whatever it is, these things. And, you know, I'm not trying to be weird, but I am just trying to encourage you to know that we can waste our life with things like that. You know, God's given you a heart. God's given you a love. 
God's given you lips to go out and to know him and to speak the name of Jesus. Tell your neighbors. Tell your coworkers. Tell your family. Tell your extended family. You know, tell people that you see on the streets. Always be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Always. Always ask him, Lord, who can I share with today? You know, because, you know, you may think, and I think there's a couple of misconceptions that we have as Christians. One of the misconceptions I think we have is that we think, well, all I have to do is live the life. All I have to do is, you know, be a good person. You know, and it's true. I mean, you need to live the life. You really do, because that will give weight to your words. You need to live the life. You know, on all those people you work with, they know he's a Christian. And so you're there and you know you're always on time and and you work hard and you don't eat out too much. You kind of bring your lunch and whatever it is, you know, you're just a really good witness at work. But you never tell them about Jesus. You never knock on the door to see if maybe that one will open today. You never bring a track or, or a card or or something. And and the enemy's like, that's cool, that's fine. I mean, I believe that your life can radiate to such a way and that they might come to you and ask you what's different about you. But you know, nine times out of ten, it'll be that step of faith that you make to tell them about the Lord. You know, and, and our study today, it's really a, a study about how the apostles would go out and declare the name of Jesus. And and so we know it's, you know, the precept is for what would happen in their life. But as we look at what happens in their life, there's principles for us to take away as well. Because people are hurting. People are addicted to crystal meth. People can't stop their sexual sin. You know, marriages are on the rocks, about to be divorced, and therefore kids' hearts, people's hearts are going to be crushed. You know, and you can send them to rehab and you can tell them, you know, the book on psychology or sociology or whatever the counsel of the world is, but none of those things will help them. The only one that can help them is Jesus. And you have his name stamped on your heart. And that's why I think it's important to just, God help us to come back to this place that we need to be and that we understand, you know, we need to kind of simplify life. I want to know you and I want to make you known. I want to live life obediently because that's the calling and the commission that we have as Christians. And as we go through our study today, I want to give you four words that, you know, you need to have in your heart. I think that you need to face and embrace so that you will be those faithful witnesses that God wants you to be. Because again, look at verse 12. Jesus says, but before all these things, you know, before the signs, those general signs, he said, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. If you go down to verse 16, he says, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. 
first word is, is the word persecution. Um, that when we're faithful in declaring the name of Jesus, not watered down, not compromising, not, you know, occasionally here and there maybe, but when you're bold and unashamed, speaking the name of Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. They will hate you. And why does Jesus tell them that? Well, I think he tells them that so that when those things happen, they won't stumble. I think he tells them that so that they can even maybe even test their lives. Does anybody hate you? Is anyone, are you experiencing any type of persecution due to your witness, your bold witness for Jesus Christ? And a lot of us probably would say, no, I'm not. Oh, I don't live in Iran. I don't live in Afghanistan. I don't live in Pakistan. I don't live in a Buddhist country or a communist country. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say if you live in Afghanistan or Pakistan. He said, if you really love me and you proclaim my name, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so we even have to examine our lives to see if any of that's happening. And if it's not, why not? Maybe it's because I'm not really speaking the way that I should. You see, here we see Jesus says that you will experience persecution. The word there in verse 12, it speaks of someone who's put to flight or driven away. It speaks of an individual who's mistreated or troubled or even harassed and molested. You see, if we dare to preach Jesus and his word to this world, they will trouble us in order to do their best to do what? Make us run, go away, be quiet, stop talking, zip the lip. And that's what persecution is intended to do. We know that persecution can be anything from verbal or persecution, circumstantial, and of course there's even lethal persecution. And I was really surprised to hear that today in the world that we live in, I didn't know this, and I checked resources, and I'm like, man, this sounds like a really high number, but 150,000 Christians are killed every year around the world because of their faith in Jesus Christ. I heard that this last century there are more martyrs, Christian martyrs, than all of the centuries combined. It's still happening but a lot of times it's just not happening to us. And we have to examine our life. We know 11 of the 12 apostles were put to death and then Paul was. They were all persecuted. Jesus here mentions in verse 12 that they're going to deliver you up to the synagogues. That's the Jewish authorities and prisons. That would be the Roman authorities. We saw in verse 16 and 17, however, that it's not just those authorities. It's also the friends and the family and people that would deliver others up due to their faith. Can you imagine being betrayed by your parents? Yeah, he's a Christian. Go get him. You know, that'd be weird, huh? But Jesus taught this, and this is not the only time he taught it. We know in Mark chapter 10, in verse 28, Peter began to say to Jesus, and he said, See, we've left all and followed you. And so Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or mothers or sister or father or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children and lands with persecutions 
and in the age to come eternal life. You see, Jesus made it very clear that when you're really, you know, living for the Lord, I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm talking about being solid. I'm talking about being bold. I'm talking about being, you know, a Christian who takes, you know, steps of faith and goes out and really desires to to speak the name of Jesus, that when that really happens, that there will be opposition, that there will be persecution. Jesus said you can expect it. You know, as a matter of fact, it's to the point where he says right here in verse 17 that they would be hated by all for my name's sake. You know, again, it's not the first time Jesus taught this. Over in John chapter 15, verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. He said in John chapter 7, verse 7, the world hates me. Why? Here it is. Ready? Because I testify of it that its works are evil. That's why. And if we're testifying of it, that his works are evil, if we're speaking the name of Jesus with boldness and courage and clarity, then then they'll hate you. And can I ask you a question? Does anybody hate you? You're like, yeah, yeah, praise God. Yeah, good. (laughs) It's kind of good. Jesus even said, jump for joy. You know, there's this great reward waiting for you in heaven. But for a lot of you here, if you were to just be honest, you know what? Everybody likes you. Everybody likes you. Everybody likes you. Jesus said, beware when everybody likes you. You know, I know I'm the type of person, and I've mentioned to you before, I, you know, by nature I want everybody to like me. But, you know, through obedience I have to go against the grain of who I am and just teach the Bible. And therefore, a lot of people... They don't like me. I've had people get in my face, angry, want to beat me up, man. Even ladies, it's weird, man. You know, for some of the things that I've said. And you guys, you know, you come to church here, and you guys are, you know, most of you here, not all of you, but most of you here, you keep coming back, even though not all the studies are easy. Not all the studies are easy to hear because we talk about sin, right? But most of the people, when you, they're, I don't, I'm not, they don't come back. They won't come back. Why? Because they don't like that. Because we testify of it that its works are evil. For example, for example, you know, we as a church, we believe that homosexuality is a sin, right? We believe that it's wicked and that it's evil. And so, you know, we're obligated to share that truth. And so, therefore, what is the church, you know, seen as? They're seen as narrow-minded, intolerant, even to the point now where they hate us, right? But we can't compromise. That's what happens when you're speaking the truth. You know, a lot of people struggle with the fact that we say Jesus is the only way. There's no other way, right? And so they hate us. And you can go on and on with the things and the issues in the world that we live in. For various reasons, they hate us. Why? Because we're simply telling them what God's word says. Don't be discouraged. I want to encourage you to be bold. I want to encourage you to continue to share 
the convictions of God's word to speak the truth in love. And if they hate you, so be it. As a matter of fact, let it encourage you. Jesus said in Luke 6, 22 through 23, Blessed are you when men hate you. And when they exclude you, oh, I'm not going to invite them, <laughs> and they revile you and cast out your name as evil, all oh, that, you know, put your name there. Why, for the Son of Man's sake? He said, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. If we're speaking his name, if we're teaching his truth, if we're not ashamed, you know, trying to just kind of, you know, please everybody. If we repent of our desire to be a politician that everybody votes for and be a prophet who works for God, then things will change. You see, the persecution is a call to all Christians. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, everyone likes me. And that's why we need to really search our heart. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I pray that we would welcome it as we live in the nation of declaration of the name of Jesus. Okay? First word is persecution. Face it and embrace it. Even look for it in your life. The second thing is the word provision. Because look what it says there in verse 13. It says, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. And so the Lord, he tells his apostles that, you know, when you share my truth, my name for my name, when you speak the name of Jesus, and I encourage you, read through the book of Acts, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ. It's found 18 times, the name of Jesus. When you're doing that, People will hate you. They'll persecute you. They're not going to like you. They might not invite you to their gatherings. Persecution. But then I also want to encourage you to know this, that God will take that persecution, that opposition, whatever it is that maybe the enemy tries to discourage you with, and then he'll even transform it for opportunities for more declaration. You know, for the apostles, it meant that they were going to be arrested by the Jewish authorities and then therefore they would testify before the religious leaders. We saw that in the book of Acts, right? And also we saw how they would be arrested by the Roman authorities and they would testify before the Roman rulers. And so here, contextually speaking, the Lord is telling them it's going to turn out for the furtherance of the gospel, which we've seen, you know, as we studied the prison epistles, how God would take you know, these guys that are put in prison and use it as a time of testimony. But for us, I think it, it's, it's something that we can apply to our lives as well because, you know, in a couple of ways, of course we have to be careful, but, but as we look at this right here, we see that God will take those times of persecution and then he will give us what I would call a provision, provision of words and wisdom that all our adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You know, Genesis 50, 20, you guys remember that verse? I'll bet you you know it well, huh? What they intended for evil, 
God would use for good. See? And of course we don't like want, we don't like look for people to cry or die. But if the reason why they cry and die is that they would testify, we say, Lord, bring it on. Bring it on. And sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, and I know it's hard because I'm leaving this world to my children, but I think persecution will purify the church, and I almost pray for it because the church is so carnal. You know, when looking at this right here, the Lord says in verse 14, don't settle it in your hearts beforehand on what you will answer because I will give you the words. Now, real quick, I want to make sure that you don't think this is speaking of teaching in the church. You know, there are some Christians who will take this verse and they twist it out of context and they say, hey, Manny, when you give a message, you shouldn't really meditate on the message as a messenger, man. You should just kind of go up there and let the Lord lead you, right? You know, but you've got to understand that you're not being a good Bible student. That's not the hermeneutics that are necessary for this. Understand that when it comes to teaching, the most important thing is that, you know, you teach the truth. That you teach the text. I see some guys open up their Bible and they teach other things. No, teach the text and teach it in truth. Of course, we want to be spirit-led and we always want to be sensitive to the spirit But whatever you do, please don't think that shooting from the hip is spiritual. It's not. It's carnal. And it's an excuse for a lot of guys who don't really want to study the word. Like the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, a lot of guys who don't want to labor in the word to the point of exhaustion. Like the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.17. No, he's not talking about teaching in church context. He's talking about when you get arrested. And you're going to testify before non-believers of the words that God wants you to speak. And he wants you to know that when you're there in that time of persecution, that it's an opportunity to testify. Which, if I could just say this again, there's another beautiful principle for us. You know, here we are, just think if you could, kind of how cool it would be. Well, then again, I know it's tough, but... Imagine if, you know, I got arrested or you got arrested because you were a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. And then, you know, your day comes and you're standing before the judge. A lot of us here, you know, we would say, let me go. Let me go. I don't want to be here. Right. We would just that's all. That's kind of the way that we are through trials. That's how we are through trials. I just want out of this trial. I just want out of this trial. When God says, you know what? There's a reason you're going through that trial. It's for grand purposes of proclamation. And rather than saying, let me go, how about saying, Lord, let me grow? How about saying, Lord, let me glow for you? How about saying, Lord, let me let them know how awesome you are? And during this trial and whatever it is that you're going through, that time of persecution, and people are watching you through that trial, you're not complaining. You're not, you know, whining. You're not crying. You're not blaming. You've got your eyes fixed on Jesus, and you are proclaiming his name. And what ends up happening is that witness, it becomes so much more plausible, so much more believable, because now they see it through an individual who is going through the fire 
And it's just they're going through the fire with joy. You see, and as we see the principle here, this is exactly what the Lord is saying, that when you're there, I want you to know that it will be an opportunity for you to testify of me. You know, the Lord says, and and there's another thing here, you know, when you're there, you don't have to worry about the words that you're going to say. I'll give you the words. You know, I would encourage you to know that, you know, when you're going to witness to someone, you go, you know, to the jet team on Saturday, you know, and, you know, maybe you're like, no, but Manny, I'm not a good speaker. You know, I just, I'm not eloquent. You know, I don't know enough and I'm not good enough. And, and, you know, none of us are, 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 are able in our own strength. None of us are worthy in our own righteousness. But see, the Lord will touch your mouth. The Lord will touch your lips. The Lord will touch your heart. The Lord will give you the words that you need to say. And you might walk away and you might even think, man, because I do it a lot. Oh, man, Lord, I wish I would have said something different. And who knows, maybe I should have. But, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, when you just want to go into it and you want to glorify God, when you want to go into it and you really care about the people, you may not even realize it, but those were the words that they needed to hear. we got to pray that it would be supernatural. You know? I mean, and the Lord will give you the words. The Lord will give you the wisdom like he gave to Stephen, even though Stephen didn't have the greatest education. I mean, no one could resist him, the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 6, just filled with wisdom and the perfect words. Or, you know, another individual that wasn't a great talker, a guy named Moses. You remember him? We believe that by the time the Lord reached this guy, he had a speech impediment. Imagine that. Lord, I, I can't, can't, can't talk. Okay, you know. And the Lord just said, well, I'm still sending you. Who made the mouth? Did not I? And then the Lord spoke through Moses, even though he was going to Pharaoh. You know, we see it with Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm just a youth. I'm too young. I don't know enough. And the Lord says, man, before you were born, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. We see it in Isaiah. He said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. And the Lord said, you know what? It's okay. And he took an angel, and he went, and he got... The, uh, the coals from the altar, which is really symbolic of how Jesus died for our sins. And, and he cleanses us of our sins, and he takes the altar, and what does he do? He touches the lips. He says, now you can go and you can speak for me. We're not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'll be the first to tell you that. And I'm not able. I mean, guys, You know it. You're like, yeah, you're not able. We know that, right? But God will give us the words. We just have to have that heart that says, Lord, I want to live obediently to you. I want to to bring you glory and honor. I need to speak the name of Jesus. I need to stop being ashamed and speak the name of Jesus to people who need Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. 
You know, you're lost in your sins. I don't know how you got here. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you were getting a green tea in the lolly cup. I'm not sure how it happened, but you ended up in this church right here. And maybe you find yourself, you know, usually the way life works is it will digress without the Lord. It will always sink lower and lower. You might even have everything that money can buy, but you don't have a peace in your heart. Or maybe you're addicted to drugs, or maybe you can't stop the sexual sin, or whatever it is, your marriage is falling apart, your kids are straying away. I don't know what it is. I know that life apart from the Lord will always fall apart. And the Lord brought you here today because he loves you, because he died for you on the cross, all your sins. He wants you to go to heaven. But the only way you'll ever go to heaven is if you humble yourself. All you have to do is admit you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And today the Bible says that if you turn from your sins and you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will be free. You'll be forgiven. You'll be made white as snow. The Bible says that if you receive that gift of salvation, something you can receive today, then God will write your name in the book of life. Not only will you go to heaven when you die, but also you will have this life while you live. It's awesome, man. I know for me, on August 20th, 1989, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and everything else you could think of. And that day changed my life. I pray that this would be your day if you don't know the Lord. And I pray that we as Christians would always go out and speak the name of Jesus, knowing that he will give us the words that we need to say. You see, the first word is persecution. We face it. We embrace it. We even look for it. Lord, is this happening in my life? The second word is the word provision. God says, I will give you the mouth, the words, the wisdom to say. You don't have to be afraid. The third word is the word protection. Look at what it says there in verse 18. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. And you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He just got done saying that some people are going to (laughs) die. What do you mean protection? Well, what that means is that until the day... You're destined to die. God said, I will always protect you. And you don't have to be afraid to go to Mexico. You don't have to be afraid to go to Cambodia. You don't have to go, be afraid to go into the valleys and the alleys. I remember when I first got saved, a friend of mine had a ministry, and he would go minister to the gang members. And so he said, hey, let's go, you know. And it was the middle of the uh, Friday night, Saturday nights, where they were all congregated together, you know. And these were some bad boys, man, let me tell you, you know. And so I prayed about it. And, of course, we don't test the Lord. We don't do things foolishly, but we are open to the Lord, and we do things obediently. And I went, God protected me, and he will protect you. I'm just saying, and I think what the Lord is trying to say is don't let anything stop you. Don't ever, ever, ever be afraid. I've got my hand on you. All 100,000 hairs on your head are accounted for, it says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30. And that's not just, you know, you know, to be taken literally. Although it is taken literally, the Lord says the very hairs of your head are all numbered. 
But it's more than that. It, it means it's a way of expressing it that says there's something deeper that I'm communicating to you that every single strand and cell and situation, everything that you go for, every hair is under my care, God says. And you don't have to be afraid. You know, we're getting ready to go to Cambodia. And, you know, everybody's real concerned. And people have said, hey, I don't have a piece about you going this time. What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) To go to heaven, right? We've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. We've got things to lose if we are not open. You know, I just want to encourage you guys to know that we can go out and we can shout it from the mountaintops. You know, D.L. Moody, he had a conviction in his life. You know, every day he, he would share with somebody. He couldn't go to sleep. He could not go to sleep without having it in his heart to have shared the gospel with somebody. And I would encourage you not to be, you know, weird, but that's cool, huh? Does that, I don't know, to me that's really cool. You know, to, to share the, the Lord with somebody who doesn't know the Lord. I would encourage you, try to do that every day, somehow, some way. Maybe even share the Lord with somebody you know who's backslidden every day. Somebody. And then maybe share a little word of encouragement to somebody who still stands, who's doing good, but, you know, maybe they need to hear a word from the Lord. It's not that hard to do. I pray that God would give us the strength. You know, what we find right here is God saying, yeah, as you... Live in that nation of declaration, that nation that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you're unashamed and bold and faithful to preach his name, then remember these four words, persecution, provision, protection, and then the last word is this word, patience. It's the word patience. Here's a word that's found 32 times in the Bible, and it speaks of steadfastness, constancy, endurance. It's the characteristic of a man or woman who's not swerved from their purpose and their loyalty to God, even through the greatest trials and sufferings in life. One version says it this way, standing firm, you will gain your life. One version says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. While one says, by standing firm, you will win your souls. Undoubtedly, when you step out and say, okay, God, I'm going to just go full bore in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will find this as my passion. I will find this as my obsession. I will eat, breathe, and sleep the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then you're going to get hit really hard. You really will. Some guys... It knocks them out. It does. They're not in the game anymore. They have no endurance. Remember when you were in high school, you could run the laps? Now, if you tried. I remember when I was in wrestling, I used to, man, I used to go up and down the bleachers and all around. We're in plastics, man, you know, losing seven pounds in one day. It was just crazy. I was, now I would die. I would die if I did that, right? Why? Because there's no... There's no more endurance, you know. And, of course, we have that physical illustration, but now there's a spiritual illustration where the point is guys are just saying, you know what, I just can't can't do it anymore. Why? Because there's not this 
element of patience that is so important. God says you'll win your lives, you'll win your souls. It will make life satisfying. It will make life saving when you do what you're supposed to do. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his own good pleasure. You see, I just really pray, and I know there's a lot to all these things, man, but I I pray, you know, for you. I pray for me. Some people think, what's well, the job of the pastor to do that? Or it's the job of the evangelist? No. Calvary Chapel believes that we're supposed to teach you the word. Yeah, we give opportunities for people to get saved. But it's the sheep that beget the sheep. It really is. We can do crusades. And, you know, we'll see, you know, we're in the crusades in Anaheim and Orange County, But if you just, maybe the Lord used you to save one or two people every year, and then they, you know, were used by God to save one or two people every year, exponentially, it wouldn't take long for the whole world to be saved. You see, that's the best way. And I I just pray that we would have that heart. You know, it will will cost your life, but it's worth it because you'll find your life. You know, maybe you're not going to get flayed to death. From what I understand, uh, I think it was James, the less, the apostle. They peeled all his skin off and they crucified him. Maybe you're not going to get hung on a tree, an olive tree. I think that's what happened to Luke. They killed him. Maybe you won't get persecuted by the natives and thrown in the oven and thrust through with spears like they did to Thomas in India. Or maybe you won't experience what, you know, we find uh, Mark experienced in going to Ethiopia. And what they did was they tied his body to the horses and they dragged him through the cobblestone streets of Ethiopia until his body was bloody. And then they threw him in the prison. And then they did it again and again and again until he died. Maybe that won't happen to you. Maybe it will. But I know this, that we all have to die. And Jesus said it very simply. And it breaks my heart to know because I know some people, they end up the wrong way. He said this, if you lose your life, you'll save it. But if you save your life, you will lose it. That's God's truth. We got a a mission, you guys. We have a name. We have a purpose. I just pray God would give us the grace and the strength to know that he's with us. Please, speak the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for allowing us, Lord, to study your word and, and just reminding us, Lord. I remember... When they spoke Jesus to me. And I got saved. How can I not speak Jesus to others? Help us, Lord, to do that obediently. May you set up the divine appointments. May you help us to scatter the seed. We know some falls on the wayside. Some falls in shallow ground. We know some falls among the thorns. But then there's those times, Lord, those beautiful times. When the seed falls on good ground, help us as a church. 
And Lord, I pray if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, that even now they would just surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, but you want to, you want to know that when you die you'll go to heaven, you want all your sins forgiven, you want the power of sin to be broken in your life, and you want God to do a new work. Maybe you drifted away and you want to come back to Jesus. We just want to give you an opportunity right here, right now, if that's you. If you want the Lord in your life, you want to receive the Lord or come back to the Lord, right where you're at, just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord, so much for that hand that went up. Anyone else? It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. But it's an invitation, not from man. It's an invitation from God. He loves you. He died for you. And he wants you to be with him forever. You raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. And you watch what God does now. Whatever you do, don't leave this place the same way you came. Anyone else? Just in case you're there and your heart is beating hard and you're not sure, you want to raise your hand, but you're afraid. I just want to let you know there's a tug of war going on for your soul. Don't let the devil win. This could be the day of salvation. The Bible says that Jesus said, whoever confesses me before man, I will confess him before my Father in heaven. But whoever rejects me before man, I will reject him before my Father in heaven. Anyone else? Just raise your hand, man. We'll pray with you. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with God. It really is. I always want to give that opportunity. Father, I thank you so much for the hand that went up, Lord God, and how precious and infinitely valuable this one person is to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet them here today and that you would do a mighty work, Lord, in every heart, and this heart especially, Lord. We do love you and we do thank you, Father. And I do ask that you would just touch all of our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's all stand.